Welcome back to the Adam B and Adam G podcast. Coming at you on a Saturday morning. It's muggy in Melbourne. That cool change is kind of slowly making its way over. Adam G, where are you at the moment? I am in New York. And despite the time difference, I think we are both hungover. That's pretty incredible. What's it like, 6 p.m. there? Yeah, it's just after 7 o'clock here and uh, same weather as Melbourne. Muggy, rainy, cloudy, humid. Shit. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad and both of us are it. feeling sorry for ourselves. Yes. Yeah, it's that kind of podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is. It is another kind of podcast, though. I do have a little surprise for you at the end and... I don't know if it'll come through the uh, the end of the podcast or maybe we'll edit it out, but uh, I do have a little surprise bit of news for you, Adam B. I like surprises. I've always liked surprises. Yeah, and, it, it, and for all the people who actually know us and are listening, it'll be a good test to see if they listen through the whole podcast all the way to the end, just to yeah. see if they hear that little sneaky surprise at the end. He's planting a seed for the listeners. Okay. Well, let's all try yeah, and get definitely. through to the end of this podcast if that's possible. And hear this surprise. Especially you and I. Especially you and I. Crucial. Yes. Um, so, I feel like this is probably the fifth or sixth time I've started a podcast saying this. But the Cavs are just terrible. They're a terrible regular season team. And that I can say definitively. They're 113 to 99 lost to Toronto. That is the most flattering version of that scoreline that could have ended the game. They were absolutely shocking. um, And there were reports out of Cleveland.com after that loss that um, there's some grumblings in the Cavs locker room about LeBron not moving the ball properly, but kind of rather waiting for assist passes. And like, there's no doubt that... Oh, the old Rajon Rondo. It's the old Rajan Rondo. It's also the old Russell Westbrook. Um, and there's no doubt that LeBron's kind of gone MVP mode this season, not only in the way that yeah. he's trying to dominate games himself, but also the fact that you know he's, he's more or less averaging a triple-double. And that doesn't happen by accident, especially when you're relying on teammates to hit shots for assists. So that those grumbles are coming out. Earlier in the week, Isaiah Thomas clotheslined another player and was thrown out of a game and that was in another blowout and um, Isaiah shot 0% in the second half of that Toronto game looked really ugly 0 for 10 Um, he's kind of come back down to earth a little bit and the realities of working through that injury are coming back Um, and I don't know you don't think he just wanted a rest you know I mean the first game back that he had he the back-to-back, he took the second night of the back-to-back off. And maybe he just was in a little bit of a disagreement with the medical staff of the Cavs who thought he could play another back-to-back, and he said no, so he got himself ejected. Yeah, it's entirely possible. And, you know, he has been prone to little flare-ups here and there. Yeah, every now and then. Look, the first half of that game, um, for all that missed it, LeBron shot 60% from the field in the first half, and the rest of the Cavs hit 25%. Is that not a summary so, of their team? Yeah, it is. But we also know that we've seen some 
Facebook, and I don't want to go over the top and ban them because they are still third in the East, and they're still probably the worst third seed team ever while still being probably the best third seed team yeah. at the same time just because of who they have on their roster. It does and It does come back down, Adam G. Why do we, I know, but why do we have to keep doing this with LeBron and regular season and old teams? Especially in we, January. We know what, yeah, we know what... It's not even the all-star break. Everyone says that the season doesn't start for a lot of teams until Christmas Day and that the season doesn't start for a lot of good teams until after the all-star break. So I get that. I do. The difference being that, look, the Cavs and the Warriors are both coasting and they were the finalists last year. It's just that one team is much better at coasting than the other team. The Okay, I hear your point on that. Where I see the narrative shifting a little bit is, okay, so if the theory is LeBron's teams can coast through the regular season, coast right to the end of the regular season as they did last year, and then flip an almighty switch once the playoffs begin, that flipping of the switch comes down to your personnel. And this year, they're relying on the following types of players to flip a switch from crappy regular season to playoff form. The players they're going to be relying on are Jeff Green, Dwayne Wade, J.R. Smith, and Isaiah Thomas. If those guys, including the notoriously unreliable Jeff Green and the reanimated corpse of Dwayne Wade, don't flip the switch in the same way that the Cavs roster did last year, is there not a chance that... Put it this way. The question I'm asking you is, do you think with the way this roster is constructed, LeBron could finally be at a risk of not making it out of the East for the first time in, what, seven or eight years? It's a possibility. We have seen other teams within the Eastern Conference put up performances consistently month after month in the Celtics and the Raptors especially, that make us have to at least respect them. Uh, the Heat have come on strong as of late, but you know, losing Dion Waiters um, doesn't, hurt, uh, doesn't help. Mm. But w- what the Celtics and Raptors are doing, it does make us doubt and do the same thing that we've done before, make us doubt a LeBron James-led team. And sometimes you just have to, at some point, just say, no, and I'm not going to do this again. <laughs> you got to draw the line. But interestingly, I saw a really good tweet from David Aldridge after that Toronto Cavs game, essentially saying that no, regular season games in January don't really have a bearing on what a game's going to be like in June. But this rejigged, um, re-energized, less selfish, less ISO-heavy Toronto offense could actually, for the first time after a lot of promises, actually cause the Cavs some problems in the playoffs. The way that they've managed to snap their predictability in ISO Lowry, ISO mid-range DeRozan, a lack of three-point shooting, their season-to-season turnaround in their playbook and in their play style has been remarkable. And I don't know, I remember vividly the past few years Toronto talking a big game coming into the playoffs. This is the year we take down yeah, the Cavs. And yes, and it's like 4-0, 4-1. It's like they've never even got close. 
this year, I'd be extremely interested to see what happens, especially if they meet in, say, a conference semifinals. Like, that would be quite interesting. It's true, but we also have to remember, and what I'm saying about are we going to continue to do this again and again, the Cavs made the finals last year, starting Tristan Thompson with a Kyrie that isn't or wasn't as good as what the Celtics' Kyrie is now. And a lot of minutes coming from Richard Jefferson, Iman Shumpert, Darren Williams, and Channing Frye. Mm. That's a good that point. Team made the final. That, roster. that team made the finals. So I get it that there's competition. I get that the Raptors are there, and I get that the Celtics have been there the whole season. But this is also a team that has been there before, and it's not necessarily just given that because you've been there before you're better but what it does mean is that if there are any issues that you should should be quicker to solve them than maybe a younger team it's almost like a muscle memory at that point you know what it feels like to get through game three of the conference semi-finals or to face a little bit of adversity or go down 20 and forget that game instantly and get on to the next one and get on to eliminating your opponent I do believe in that muscle yeah. memory. Like winning winning begets winning. Yeah, and what the Celtics are doing at their age is unprecedented. It's not something that anyone's ever seen. Most teams of the Celtics' age, they've looked at it over the last, I think the, the ringer piece, uh, the piece in the ringer was talking about the last sort of 20 years, was that most teams of that age finished 30 and 52 in the regular season. The teams of that age have more 70 lost seasons than they have 50 win seasons that's incredible so what yes. what they're doing is just not something we've ever seen before and it's not saying it can't happen because all it takes is for one team or one person to do something and now everyone else believes it's possible yes but i mean the thing with the celtics and this is something we talked about earlier this week is that this roster with Kyrie and um Gordon Hayward with the youngins and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and even Marcus Smart as some sort of chippy could-be veteran. That roster has not been constructed to necessarily take down the Cavs now. They've been constructed to dominate in three or four years' time when LeBron either goes to the West or finally declines um, his output. So this is not... the. I think that without Gordon Hayward, I still think that the Celtics will struggle to get past the Cavs or even get more than two games off playoff Cavs. Um, last week, the Cavs and Celtics played, and the Celtics won handily. I think it was you know 20-something points throughout most of the game, that lead. But you did get little glimpses and little reminders of the various ways the Cavs can break a game open. You saw Corver hit yeah. three, four, five threes in a row. You saw Tristan Thompson give that momentary output of giving a shit. You remember Isaiah Thomas and this kind of unknown weapon they've just begun to unveil. J.R. Smith has been so radically underperforming and that just can't stay the same way that it is. Or Dwayne waiting a post-fader and kind of doing that veteran grit thing that he does sometimes. There are a lot of ways that they can break a game open. And LeBron yeah, and, isn't necessarily and look, and the big centerpiece of all of them. 
No, and he's not. And the way I look at it in a seven-game series is how many game, how many game breakers do you have, or how many game winners do you have? Like, yeah. how many players do you actually have that can win a game for you, or you win because of them? Now they have Isaiah, who we know can score forty. We know that one game out of seven, Jr. could hit twenty. And I think that we Jeff Green will win them hit. one one playoff game. This yeah, season. Absolutely. And, and it might not be every series, no. but we know that Korver can hit five or six or even seven threes in a game. We know Jeff Green can have that one game in 10 that helps you win a game. We know Kevin Love can get a 30 and 20. We know he can get a 25 and 12. We know what he can do. And we know that Tristan Thompson can have one random, it's not likely, but we can have, he can have one random game where he scores 16 points all on offensive rebounds and dominates the glass yeah. and looks like the player that got paid a couple of years ago. Yeah. So they have players who can actually win a game individually, and they have a lot of them. And that's where I'm worried for the Celtics is that if there is that one game where Kyrie isn't doing so well in the pick and roll with Horford or the defense isn't absolutely spot on against a really good Cavs offense, by the way, that if it's something's not on, I still want to know who else is going to possibly win a game for the Celtics. Now, we've seen Marcus Smart do it. You, you've seen it's Terry Rozier do it, but these are names yeah, that <laughs> these are names that you can't really rely on the same way. As Jeff Green. I think yeah. they're as likely as Jeff Green, those guys. And they're lesser yeah. names, but they're as likely as Jeff Green to go off. But the problem is the Cavs have many more of them than what the Celtics do. And look, come playoff time, whether it's veteran off-the-ball screening or whether it's um, time management and game management, there are little things like that that can win you quarters or get you a few extra baskets or a few extra points here and there that guys like Wade and guys like Korver and guys like Isaiah and LeBron and Kevin Love just know what to do. I agree. And it's going to be intriguing to see, as always, Cleveland pull the finger out of the ass and close out the season. Um, a team just below them. Toronto. Sorry, mate. <laughs> and fuck Toronto. They're not going to win. Oh, yeah. Fuck Toronto. They're, they're, no. I'm <laughs> not buying into that, as mate. Good as they, no, I'm as not. good as they've been, I can't. I cannot buy into it. Fine, no, like, fine, prove me wrong. But I'm not, I cannot I'm not buy into that, any actually. Toronto stock. No, no, definitely not. So, um, the Miami Heat, who have the only team that have had more players miss games this year due to injury are New Orleans. So, Miami Heat have been ravaged by injuries. They have no player yeah. in the top 40 of all star voting. They are now 24 and 17 and two games uh, behind Cleveland for third place in the East. They've won six in a row. Uh, how the fuck did this happen? I have not been paying any attention to them. Are we talking Kelly Olynyk? We know that Dion Waiters is hurt. How are they winning games? And Not just hurt. He's out for the season. He's chosen to undergo season-ending surgery. Because his left ankle was apparently troubling him and whatever's happened is there's just no way, either there was no way he was going to recover and be 100%, which would have hurt his future contract status, um, or there were issues with him just being able to play day on day. 
Um, pardon me. Um, it's a very interesting thing because you're saying Justice Winslow's also out and the guys that are stepping up are like Wayne Ellington and they're terrible, terrible, terrible um, on offense. And they're pretty good on defense, but they're not remarkable. So no, I sit back not. and wonder, how is this happening? And again, how real is something like this? Yeah. And I think I think it's always possible for a Spolstra-led team to play well or have a good period. Uh, but look, do we, do we feel better about the Heat than we do the Bucks? Or do we feel better about the heat than we do, or an, an injury-ravaged heat than even the Wizards, who infuriate us all the time? I don't know how real this thing is. Look, they're, they're ahead of the Wizards on the standings. Um, they're, you know, they're only a game ahead, but it'll be interesting to see if these guys, this kind of ragtag team of, of players that are helping them win games... I mean, Dragic is still there, fine. But yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens in six weeks' time, for instance, because it's sometimes okay to go a month or so missing some players and gelling as a team, but eventually the workload, the responsibility um, kind of catches up to those second-string players. It's very, very hard to sustain long-term. Yeah, definitely. I think we know who the top three in the East are, or at least we have a good feeling of who the top three in the East are, and we have a good feeling of who the top three in the West are. Without well, being presumptuous, but it's that's the feeling I get. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I, speaking of not knowing how things are happening, I'm just still shook by the Spurs. Um, they're still third in the West. Uh, the, the resurgence of LaMarcus Aldridge... Um, and Pop kind of taking ownership of that relationship and saying, I messed up. There was a really interesting quote this week um, from Pop, essentially saying that LaMarcus Aldridge was the only player he's coached in 20 years who's ever asked for a trade. And that triggered him, Pop, to completely relook at the way he'd been treating him, the way he'd been using him within the team. And um, to, to be of Pop's age and status... Um, to have all the achievements that he has, but still have the ability to say, maybe I was wrong about this, and then go and fix it, is mind-blowing. Them being third in the East without their best player for most of the season is ridiculous. Well, we're talking about arguably the best defensive team over the last decade, uh, maybe even two decades, and still probably the most consistently good defensive team. Second in the uh, NBA. In the right NBA. Now. Yep. Yeah. But I would still trust them with with Pop as their coach and who they have on their roster as well. To They just play hard. They play with the right amount of effort. They are well coached. They do the fundamentals right, and it gets the best out of all their players. And well, Kawhi's shoulder is an issue, but from all reports, it's not major. And of all the teams to have a star returning from injury – we know that the Spurs are the most cautious. We know the Spurs do not give a shit about the regular season. Uh, or at least they they don't care so much as to play players every game and play a returning star 40 minutes a night when he shouldn't. So Kawhi will be all right by the playoffs. They, I'll say something controversial. 
their schedule as of late has been really, really kind, um, purely against talking about the, the quality of their opponents. Um, their last few wins have been against the Kings, the Suns, the Knicks, the Knicks, the Nets, the Kings, the Trailblazers, the Clippers, the Mavs. Um, and their losses That's have been, yeah, like it's, it's, they've had a really good stretch to be fair. Um, but nonetheless, like two and a half games behind Houston, they're in the Western standings looking really good. I just, do you think, um, you know, when, when the chosen one comes back, is it too late in the season to really come back and be super impactful? Is there precedent for a player coming back in February or March and going on to have a huge say in the playoffs? Is this um, is this too too forward or too easy of a segue through to the Warriors to say that I'm more concerned about Steph's ankle and his timetable and his return compared to the Rockets and Spurs both getting Harden and Kawhi back? Well, Curry had that ridiculous three quarters the other day. Um, I think it might have been exactly a week ago. And when I saw that, I'm like, okay, okay. Well, that was kind of stupid and it's good for you to sit the whole fourth quarter, but it's good to see you can do, you can still do that. But just the, the idea, the resurgence of his shitty glass ankle is a little bit scary. I have to admit, because that could tweak so easily in a playoff game. Yeah. You know what it reminds me of, and I hope this isn't the case because we've had a very enjoyable last few years, but uh, Ronaldinho, former Paris Saint-Germain and Barcelona uh, soccer player or football player, for depending on your, your persuasion in terms of which sports you like, but Ronaldinho had arguably the greatest three-year peak when he was at Barcelona right. in the mid-2000s. And his three-year peak was some stuff, some actions and some – the things he did in those three years have never been repeated and don't look like ever being repeated, not for a long time. And what we've seen from Steph for three years has been similar. Some of the stuff he's done has been absolutely mind-blowing to even think about one player hitting 10 threes in a game as a normal or for one player to pull up from 35-plus feet as if it's a free throw line jumper. Some of the stuff he's been doing and the ball handling and at his size as well, this is a, a comparison that it's just, I guess, come through to me in the last couple of days, just that both players have had a three-year peak that we don't, we might not have ever seen before. And what happened to Ronaldinho after that was off-the-field issues, not necessarily injury issues, but he was never the same after those three years. And everyone knows that those three years were the best we've ever seen. I can't, I can't agree with that comparison. Knowing that Curry scored forty-five points in thirty minutes last week, um, he. But I, I do agree with the sentiment that what we've seen from him is probably so special and. As much as we go on about it, it probably is still under underappreciated and underrated. Yeah, and it won't be appreciated for another ten years until we're in the next decade, or until yeah. he's past his prime, until we have a dip in the level of talent at the top of the league, or when it, when three point shooting plateaus for whatever reason. Right. Um, I'm just concerned that of any injury that this guy can have, if it's his ankles. 
it's not a surprise that he's having ankle issues. He had ankle issues all the way through college. Um, but I'm just concerned that I'm concerned that his timetable for return will impact the Warriors more than Harden and Kawhi coming back for the Spurs and Rockets. And I think those two teams are well placed to have a good finals run or have a good playoffs run. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they how they go with managing Steph's minutes between now and April. Yeah, I, if I'm them, and I'm sure this doesn't even need to be said, you can afford to be hyper-cautious. All you want to do is maintain a level of fitness and a level of reps for him. Um, and otherwise, there is absolutely no need to push the envelope. You're going to finish in the top two in the West. That's not an issue. Get him right. Take care of him. Yeah. But again, it's it's funny the parallels with the East and the West, and this has been the story for the past three years. We're just waiting to see if anyone can disrupt the presumptive finals re-re-rematch. And this year especially feels sexy. This year especially feels like it could be possible. Let's move on, Adam G. Um, to my favorite... Let's move on, Adam B. My favorite team at the moment, the Los Angeles Lakers. Still the Celtics? <laughs> the Los Angeles Lakers. Still crazily... And why are they your favorite team at the moment? Because they're like an actually good reality TV show. Like a, No, a don't good... lie. I mean, that, that helps. You only like the Lakers because your Celtics have their pick. And if it falls from two to five... We your get Celtics it. own the right. Lakers 2018 draft pick. That is the reason why you are. Huge fan of the team. Um, they are, they've won three That's games. That's why you're enjoying watching They've won three games in a row since LeVar Ball talked shit about Luke Walton, which was just outrageous and stupid. And speaking of someone in the media, it's, it's mind-numbing how much of a platform they've given him. And it just speaks to the very worst of... 2017 2018 media instincts of giving a voice to just the loudest and most divisive person possible because that's what makes for entertaining conflicting television but it was a disgrace that 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 story was as big as it was and i'm glad to see luke walton brush it off glad to see the nba coaches association come out hard and on his behalf and scold espn but uh, they, they rattled off um, after a huge losing streak. So they'd lost nine in a row when Laval Ball made those comments. They've now won three in a row, including a win over the Spurs. Well, I guess Laval Ball is the best coach for the Lakers then. <laughs> well, everything just feels a bit Hollywood with them, right? Hey. You need adversity oh, well, to play Well, you know well. what's going to happen next. You know what's going to happen next is LeVar's going to come out, or he probably already has come out, and say, well, this winning streak was my responsibility. If I didn't say anything, they would have kept losing. Yeah, of course he would. He's like, what, he's like a stupid amateur sports parent. He is you know one of those parents who thinks parent. their child... Yeah. He's the ultimate, like, over-the-top, life-sized, like, professional sports, mega-sized, stupid amateur sports parent who... One thinks they are still playing and thinks that they are still the coach, even though there is a coach. Refuses to allow their child to have any say or do anything actually on their own. 
and does anything possible to either grab the attention, steal the limelight, or get the coach sacked. And he'll continue doing that, and it's only to his son's detriment. He needs to just focus on building his brand in Lithuania, if you ask me. Yeah, well, for people like me who really don't enjoy that entire family's media output, um, it was a bad week for me having the two younger brothers score almost 50 combined in their debut, I think it was, uh, and highlights and all that from Lithuania, and then... Lonzo actually coming out with his team, winning three in a row, all because of Lavar's comments. Yeah, uh, look, the drama continues. I really like Lavar, uh, Lonzo Ball. I really like Brandon Ingram. I'm excited to see what happens with Carl Kuzma, and I hope they keep kind of the same win pace that will help my team score a lovely, lovely draft pick. So we'll see what what happens. Well, I there. think everyone. <laughs> I don't think you're the only one who loves Kyle Kuzma, given that he is currently the eighth highest vote getter in the Western Front Court All Star voting. That is fucked up. That is. He's ahead of Carl, Carl Anthony Towns and Lamarcus Aldridge. Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> he's not that far off, fellow. And we're oh. also talking about Lonzo being the seventh highest vote getter amongst guards. You know who Lonzo's beating? Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, and Damian Lillard. To beat Jimmy Butler after the season Jimmy Butler's having, I mean, that's sad. Lonzo's going to make it to the All-Star game ahead of Jimmy Butler. Well, hold on, hold on. This year, though, is it not the players that get the most votes in both the East and the West become captains and then choose their own teams? And the public suggests the, the public votes determine the bench, is that right? They've definitely changed it up. I thought it was some kind of split. Yeah, there was some kind of split in regards to the weighting of votes between the public and the players and the coaches. Okay. And I think it was 50% of the vote is via the public and then 25% via the players and 25% by coaches and staff. Um, some combination like that where at least it gives some recognition to the players who are actually good, not just Lakers players. Yes. Well, I mean, those returns are so predictable when you think about it. So what will happen is... Manu. Manu is fifth in guards in the West. (laughs) I I love that bald, crazy, eccentric lefty, but there is no way Manu Ginobili should be getting 657,000 votes and just behind Clay Thompson. There is something wrong about that voting list. It's going to be incredibly interesting. Um, and the, if I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they've also ditched the whole East versus West. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be very interesting. They're also playing for charity in an effort to make, make them give a shit for the first They're also playing in the LA. Game. Yes, it's going to be a big, big so all-star. Playing in LA. You know that the NBA secretly wants Lonzo Ball in that NBA game, in that All Star game. I don't think it's a secret. Yeah, I guess it's pretty obvious. Um, speaking of LA, um, since starting five and eleven and losing four of their f- five starters, um, the Clippers the Clippers are basically sitting at five hundred now, and they're ninth in the West. Uh, I think they're like. You know, a, a game out of being in the playoff seedings, like you know, six, seven, eight. Um, Lou Williams, 
Have you seen what this guy's been doing? 50. He's at, he scored 50 <laughs> points on the Warriors the other night. and On the road. On the road. And he's averaging around 30 points a game for these past 10 games. Luba, he also hit 27 in the third quarter. He's playing astonishingly well. Like, Doc Rivers has effectively fashioned a team from, like, fishing line and, like, toilet <laughs> paper, cardboard roll things. He's got some glad wrap, cling wrap. The only reason you're thinking about those kind of things as analogies is because of your hangover situation and you've spent probably half your morning in the toilet. Oh, let's not go there, Adam G. It's been a long night. Um, yeah, but God, if they if they manage to squeak into the playoffs, it would be a minor miracle considering how they've started and the kind of injuries they've faced. It's really something. Does that mean... Does that mean Doc Rivers is a good coach again if they make it into the eighth seed? I think, I think it's... No, definitely not. It's hard they're to say he's a great the coach. Nuggets. No, I think, I think... They're one game back from the Nuggets who people around places are still saying that the Nuggets will be well over 500 and easily make it into the playoffs, yet they are 21 and 20. Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't hold my breath. I, I think that six, seven, eight seed in the West is going to be really competitive. Um, there it's is... also going to really suck. They're going to be really bad basketball teams come playoff time. Well, if you look, the fifth, fifth and eight seeds are separated by one and a half games in the West. Then there's a four-game jump into the top four. So that top four is really fortified. Golden State, Houston, San Antonio, Minnesota. But I think, yeah, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten is a crap Can we count the Jazz? I think the Jazz are too far away now. You think three games behind? I don't know. They could still go on a little run. Um, okay, we can, we can say five through nine. That, that is an absolute crapshoot of 500 teams. Um, and basically, yeah. they're going to be putting their hands up to say... You know, no, no. I want to get, I want to get swept by Golden State, or I want to get swept by Houston. Um, yeah, or I want to be the team that scares the Spurs in the first round, only to spring the Spurs into a great second round of the playoffs. Right, right, right. Um, that's a really intriguing little mishmash. And you look over to the East, and the same thing's happening. Washington, who are fifth, um, uh, only. Only three games ahead of Philadelphia, who are ninth, um, and the spread of teams that have extraordinarily similar records of like Milwaukee, Detroit, Indiana, um, just bundled up together. Absolute crapshoot. It is a big buster. We do have we do have a mirror image east and west between the top three, with possibility of a fourth team being solidified there, and then a real mess or a real cluster of teams between. Five and nine on five and ten, all five hundred or so teams fighting out for those last few spots. Yeah, it'll be extremely interesting. If you had to choose between the Clippers or the Pelicans to be an eight seed and squeak in, who would you rather see? Would you rather see Boogie and Anthony Davis have yes. a crack, or would you Every rather time. see Doc Rivers' um, twee bundle of? not injured players, and Milos come out and try and play the Warriors. 
I don't want to see sad Blake Griffin in the playoffs again. I'm bored of sad Blake Griffin in the playoffs. I want to see angry Boogie. Or I want to see winning Boogie. Or I want to see like angry Anthony Davis and winning Anthony. I want to see Anthony Davis get a 45 and 25 while his front court teammate gets a 35 and 20. I want to see Boogie and Anthony Davis dominate a playoff series, or at the very least a couple of playoff games. It'd be good to see them win, I agree, because, I mean, how many more years can Anthony Davis go having this incredible reputation, being such a threat, such an incredible, unique, physical player, um, and not win a playoff series? Like, they desperately, for that team, for that city for Anthony Davis himself, they need to win a playoff series in like the next two years. Um, Yeah. And he really needs it more than Boogie. That's the thing that is interesting about their situation is people aren't expecting Boogie or needing Boogie to win a playoff series. We all know he's talented. We all know he's been in a bad situation and we all know at times he's not the greatest teammate or the greatest player for a team, but we can accept and enjoy watching Boogie and watching him dominate some games and becoming and being the best center in the league. What we really need and what Anthony Davis really needs is to just to win a playoff series. Yeah, they really... They just one. They need to get to like a five seed and beat a four seed. Uh, obviously, this yeah, doesn't he, look like it's going to happen. Yes. I don't, think there's a, I don't think there's a player in the NBA that needs a playoff series win more than Anthony Davis. I look around the East... And I look around at players like DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, who have shown they can win playoff series. We've seen Kyrie do it. We've seen John Wall do it. We've seen Giannis at least threaten to do it last season. They won. They won their first round, six. didn't they? No. Yeah. I maybe not. I think our current. Uh, I don't think the effort to search is necessary here. But we know that Giannis doesn't need it. No, he's not. Giannis but, is not under yeah. threat. Davis has not proven himself a winner. And that's like, that's flat yeah, out true. Um, but he's it, so loved I mean, and so my old, respected. My old boy, my old boy with the Bulls, Derek Rose proved that he was getting the team into the playoffs from day one. Right. As uh, soon as he became the starting point guard, it was him and the Bulls going to the playoffs every year. Yeah, and look, they've been in the playoffs. Um, I remember vividly Anthony Davis playing the Warriors and kind of putting up a really brave Game 3 performance once he swung back to New Orleans, and that's kind of fun. But I think, like, the days of, oh, it's cute that they're they're having a go, uh, starting to run out. It's over. Yeah, I I would love to see them. Anthony Davis and win. Yeah, well, yes, I think that'd be much more fun. To watch in the even if they even if they make the eighth seed, who's he up against? Zaza and Draymond Green. Right, he can do some damage. Yeah, we're not we're not expecting him to necessarily beat the Warriors in a one eight matchup or beat the Rockets in a two seven matchup. But you look at the other big men that he's up against for the especially for the Rockets and the Warriors, and please Anthony Davis, dominate those games and do everything you can. You never know, you might win a series. I would love to see that. And you're right, it's not the worst. Like, a much worse matchup for Anthony Davis would probably be the Timberwolves, who they keep losing to, um, and considering that front court. I would, I, I, would, I want to see them win multiple games this season in the playoffs. Like, that's a good goal. Yeah. Let's see if we can win two playoff games, and then next year it's got to be a series. But or yeah. a seven-game series. Yeah. 
get into a seven game series and lose, Push we'll it be much happier with that. Yeah. And yeah, a game six is not good enough. A four two loss is not good enough. So you don't want to see the LA Clippers in the playoffs? Please no. I'm sorry, Doc. Please no. It would be incredible. It would be incredible if they finally broke their their terrible streak against the Warriors, like in the playoffs. It would be the rebirth of Doc Adam Rivers. B. Yeah. It wouldn't be. All we'd be seeing again was George Costanza, Doc Rivers, Kung Pao Chicken, way too hot, sweaty Doc Rivers face. <laughs> like that's all, that's all we're going to see in the playoffs. We're going to see sweaty, shiny Doc Rivers face. Yeah. Him complaining, his arms outstretched, his suit getting more and more ragged throughout the playoff series with a sad Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan free throw issues and they're going to get kicked out and everyone's going to wonder again why, why was Doc Rivers four games? <laughs> yeah, and why they watch? Why you watch those four yeah, games? It's painful I every mean, look, time. Hey, even though Lou Williams had fifty against the Warriors and single-handedly helped his team beat the Warriors on the road, I didn't even enjoy that game. <laughs> I don't know why. There was nothing enjoyable enjoyable There's about watching the Clippers score one hundred and twenty points. Yeah, how could the Clippers score one hundred and twenty plus on the road at the champs? And it not be enjoyable. I blew him out. I know it should have been fun. It was not. New Orleans has a has the fourth best offense in the league. Um, That's unbelievable. It, which is it, which good. is unbelievable. Um, unfortunately, they have the second worst defense in the league, and yeah. that really bothers me because they have they have some decent defenders on that team or players they who do. have the physique and the capability and the length. And athleticism to defend really well. I don't know how. Look, you have a team like that, and it's very simple of that. We have two studs. We have two stars who can at least mildly contest out to the three-point line just because of their length. And they're not too bad on switches, and they can definitely contest at the rim. And they've got good defensive numbers, actually, uh, this year. Just get three other guys on the court with them, wings and guards. Get three other guys just to run around. Yeah. Just run around and play hard. Be yeah. Paddy Mills. Be Keith Bogans. Right. Just run around and play hard. Hey, at the very least, if you can, be Iman Shumpert on defense. Right. You don't like, have to be this athletic but, unicorn to be a good defender. No. We're not asking the other three players on the court with Boogie and Anthony Davis to do anything but def- defend against their guy, slow down or contain their guy, and run around and just give the ball to the two best players. It's a very simple team to manage. Well, I hope they squeak in. We'll keep an eye on that. Adam G, I think we should wrap this bad boy up. What do you think? I think that was a good idea, definitely. But before we do, we were promised a surprise. So, I mean, I sat through this for 43 minutes. I think I should get a surprise. Yeah, and I don't know, like, should we, like, say goodbye and then just uh, let, leave him hanging and just I'll let you know or share it with the listeners or I don't know how we do this. I mean, it's really up to you. I don't know what the surprise is. It's, it could I'm be... just like, I don't know to, to say, but we might leave the listeners hanging just until the next week. Okay, okay. Uh, so I hope you all, our dear listeners, enjoyed getting your, your cocks teased. Um, that's what we do here. We build <laughs> you up and shoot you down. We 
overpromise and underdeliver. Yep. But I like to think that we just gave you 44 minutes of um, some pretty fun NBA analysis. Thank you so much Very for listening. We love oh, you. I hope it was mediocre. I hope it was at least average for all the listeners. I hope it was great. I'm, I'm not mean. We love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Um, it means a lot. Um, please leave a review if you can be bothered this week. Get on that. Take just one it. sentence. One line review. Just one sentence. Yeah, we're cool with that. Even even just put a couple of a couple of random letters. Let your animal, let your pet, let your cat, or dog just walk over the keyboard. And we'd be happy with that as long as it has five stars next to the review. Oh, yeah. Leave a single emoji. Leave a poo emoji. Leave yeah, an eggplant emoji. emoji even. I don't care. Like, yeah, just any hit submit. I'll take a one-star review, by the way. I don't care. Hit us up. Thanks well, for listening. Like a three-star Thank you for listening. And thank you very much, Adam G. Thank you, Adam G.